GP Insights, a health cert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. Well, good morning. So I'm today uh, sitting down uh, with Mark uh, Lindley, who is the new Director of Human Resources at uh, the National Skin Cancer Centres. Um, Mark, thanks for joining us. We're going to have a, a, a good discussion today about some of the uh, issues and opportunities and challenges in, in the workplace. And I know that will be of enormous uh, interest to, to our listeners. But um, why don't we uh, ask you to introduce yourself and give us a little bit of a, a background so that uh, we can convince our listeners that they actually need to take you seriously? <laughs> Thank you very much, David. And um, look, it's a real pleasure to be on today. I'm very much looking forward to, to our conversation. Um, look, my background, I've been over 20 years in HR leadership. Um, I returned back to Australia 12 months ago after spending 12 years in the Middle East and Asia. And I'd worked for a series of different organizations, uh, very large branded multinationals through to US uh, mergers and acquisition businesses that were dealing with um, quite sort of small to startup type uh, businesses. Um, you know, it's been great to come back to Australia. Originally, I was from Sydney, Dubai, 12 years. Now I'm back in uh, Australia living on the Gold Coast. And uh, human resources, uh, for me, um, I think I'd like to think I've experienced enough um, to, to have such conversations like today but i'm also a firm believer that you know every day brings a new learning wonderful well that that's that's uh, really interesting stuff and clearly you bring a a wealth of um of of, of experience there mark L- let's let's jump into it um you know it doesn't really seem to matter how big or how small the workplace is um we we end up with you know problems, challenges, disruptions every day. Um, I'm a doctor, I'm not an HR um, expert in any way, shape or form, but uh, I've had a lot of uh, exposure to to workplaces of different sizes, shapes and constructs and so on. Um, What does it all boil down to from your perspective? What's the fundamental root cause of of challenges and disruptions and issues in the workplace? Is it as simple as people being people? Look, I think, you know, you, you've, you've really nailed it. You know, um, I, I, I always say the moment you have more than one employee, you're going to have potential issues in the workplace working with each other. And as you rightly say, David, whether it's five, 10, 1,000, 10,000 employees, that type once you start putting people together and you've got a melting pot of different personalities and values influences behaviors people are going to respond accordingly so it does just fundamentally get down to the difference of people how we think how we operate how we behave Uh, what we're like at at home um doesn't uh, doesn't always translate to how we would like to operate in the workplace so before we we jump into some of the issues and how to respond to them as 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 we all know and especially in medicine we keep saying that prevention is better than cure what what would you say to to people about um and you know thinking that of course we're fundamentally talking about medical practices here and 
and they can range. They're always pretty small, I guess, and, and until they become, some of them are big, but you know, you, you may have nothing much more than say a handful of people. And then maybe with part-time staff and casual staff, as things grow a bit, maybe, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 people moving in and out at different times and so on. Um, what do you do before issues arise? What do we do about prevention rather than cure, Mark? Sure. I think what's key, one of the things that, that I've known in my travelling around to the different clinics, and it's been reflective in other organisations that we work for, um, there's one uh, aspect that we probably can't change, and that is we're, we're working very closely in a fairly confined space, even with some of our bigger clinics and medical practices. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to pass each other on the hallway. We're both going to be reaching for a cup of coffee. Uh, we're both going to pass each other in reception and, and yeah. such. So, you know, that, that's something we can't control because it's a fact of our, our working you know, environment. Yeah. What I always try and encourage in these environments is uh, open communication. And I think that um, I like to have the discussions and I think it's prudent to have the discussions with, with the whole clinic and those in the practice to sort of say, we're all here for the one reason, which is the patient care. We're all here because we want to make a difference. But most importantly, we need to understand that we're, we as individuals are very different and we're going to do things differently that may not sit with how you feel things should be done or yeah. how we respond uh, or how we interact. And I think the understanding is very much that's okay. We're different. We're not always going to do things the way that others may like or the way that others may see. And that's okay. It's about keeping focus on ultimately why we're all here together today in this one operation or in this one center. Yeah. The root cause will tend to get down to um, not so much people losing that focus of why we're here, but people have good days, they have bad days, they start interacting and then they find out that the person they're passing or talking to, they're starting to, to irritate them. So I think it's get it onto a level playing field. If you're the doctor, you're the nurse, you're in administration, you're the practice manager, we're all here to, to achieve the one outcome. And yeah. I think getting that out on the table is, 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 is one of probably the best preventative measures or approaches. Okay, excellent. So um, acknowledging that then, let, let's jump into you know, the challenges and, and difficulties. In your experience, what are the main difficulties that um, you know, colleagues will often uh, experience in, in the workplace, in the clinic? What are, what are the things that jump up? Usually it's uh, communication style, it's workflow, interpretation of, of workflow. Um, and it's also to emotions. People interact in different ways. Some people just by nature seem to be a little bit quieter and passive and others seem to talk a little bit louder and aggressive. That's just how, how they are. But if, I, if, you, if you really pinned it down to something more, what I would say is the, the tangible elements, it it's definitely gets down to uh, communications and workflow. So people spending enough time to explain what they want without missing any steps. So when they've explained that to somebody, they walk away and they're very clear what they need to do. So then they don't come back and find out, look, you've missed three of the steps that I've outlined. So communication is, is, is really, really key. Being very exact and very precise 
and checking that the people that you're working with and for and around understand what needs to be done. Um, and also workflow, clarity on the workflow. Um, what I find is that um, in certain environments, people will make uh, a, a broad statement of what they want, but they may not go into the detail of how they want that achieved. And yeah. so the person receiving that, you know, fills in the gaps. Sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong. And that's where the conflict is. You're not listening to what I'm saying. You're not understanding what I want. And it all sort of goes back to that communication, being really clear what you want, following it up, making sure that the, it's understood, making sure that it's clear. And that's going to increase the chance of the, the, the action coming off, the objective being met. Uh, and more importantly, that communication style becoming more fluid. So what's your um, take on, on, on in, in a medical clinic, um, you know, there are a number of dynamics at play. How important do you think the issue of hierarchy and authority is generally and, and then particularly in, in a clinic setting? So, I mean, as you will be aware, I mean, often in a medical practice, uh, the, you know, the practice will have been established by uh, one or more of the doctors um, in solo or together. Um, the, you've then got, um, and, and, you know, the reality is that usually the, you know, the doctor, one or more of the doctors is seen as the most senior person. It may or may not be his or her practice, but even if it's not, the, the doctors have a level of authority through, through, for various reasons. You know, how important is, is this sense of authority and hierarchy and indeed ownership, if you like, of the practice? I'll, I'll come on to the issue of new doctors coming in and contractors and corporates taking mm -hmm. over. But in the first instance, what are your views around this issue of authority, hierarchy, ownership, setting the tone? Very, it's a, it's a, it's a great question, and I, I would sum it up in, in any organization, but if we look at specifically within the, the, the doctor, the medical practice, you need to respect the structure. You need yeah. to understand who does what job. And it's not about saying this role or this job that maybe a doctor is performing is more important than another person within the practice, but it's, all, it's very important to understand the structure. Yeah. Understand that uh, there is a, uh, you know, the doctor's there, he or she needs to perform certain duties and they need certain support to perform those certain duties and those people supporting the doctors also need certain support and, and so it unfolds within, within that process. Respecting the structure is not having blind faith or blind respect whether you, you know, respect the individual, it's respecting... Right the structure. And I think that's very important. Know what the structure is, know what the workflow is. Um, and, and, and that's, I think, the first step of, of taking uh, accountability. Now, I think that that's very interesting and, and very nicely put, because I think in my experience, sometimes where it goes wrong is, as you say, I like that phrase, respecting and understanding the structure doesn't then allow the person who is, if you like, at the top of the structure to abuse that situation, either through, you know, for example, foul language or unreasonable requests, um, you know, or behavioral, behavioral problems. Um, 
that that's very interesting. So perhaps expand it for then um, in in NSCC clinics and of course in more and more general practices around uh, Australia at the moment. <clears throat> the doctors are independent contractors. They're not employees. Mm. Um, they're not. They're not owners. Um, they're independent contractors. How how does that change the situation? Both, uh, if you like, legally and and professionally. But also, what impact does it have in terms of uh, a non hierarchical approach around? You know, influence, decency, etc. What what would your views be uh, around that? The independent contractor story. Sure. Look uh, again. You know, looking, reflecting on our organisations and other organisations where you'll have a blend of full time, part time, casual contractors. Um, at the end of the day, the moment you walk into the premises that has that brand over the doorway. We're all working, in a sense, for the same purpose in the same organization. I'm not saying contractors are employees. What I'm saying is that the moment you walk through that front door, we're all working within that one environment. Yeah. And whatever happens two minutes before you walk in, you need to leave it at the door, whether you're an employee, whether you're a contractor, full-time, part-time. You need to carry out what you do professionally at yeah. all levels. Yeah. And then if you still feel you need to pick that stuff up that you left at the front door, then pick it up and take it home with you. Yeah. Even though that in principle, that probably sounds, well, you know, a good idea and, and, and uh, what should happen. Um, it does take a bit of discipline to, to sort of process how I'm going to approach each day and leave it at the door. I think that, regardless of the status of employment or non-employment or contracting, the yeah. reality is if we're all working for in the one environment for the one cause, then we need to adopt a very clear, how do we get on? How do we act professionally? And professionally has, in my view, no hierarchy. Profession, being professional can start from the front desk and can work right up to the most leading specialist. Sure. Acting professional is very much how I'm going to work through the day, how I'm going to inter, uh, interact with people. Yeah. The, the other thing that I, I would um, mention to David, which I think is something that I've experienced in the sense of seen and, and even corrected and, and probably sits very strong in my values, which is every person that comes to work, they have a right to work through that day physically emotionally and mentally in a way that they leave the best that they can at the end of the day. If there's yeah. anything that happens throughout the day that's going to erode anybody in, in that sort of welfare, well-being, then overall, those people, overall, as a, as a collective working in that, in that center or that clinic or in that environment, we're not doing our best. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and that's great, and 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 I, I guess sort of starting to bring this to a close. I mean, what are your thoughts in general, and then again specifically on um, on medical clinics, and then with NSCC, of course, a a growing network of clinics. Uh, two things. One is, if you like, um, a, a indeed a written um, dare I say code of conduct or 
you know, set of behaviors and expectations in the workplace. In other words, you know, if I'm being recruited to, to work in a particular clinic, you know, surely I deserve some expectation around what is what is expected of me. You know, this is how we work here. This is this is, you know, the approach we take to a workplace. Like you mm. say, it's physically safe. It's mentally safe. It's emotionally safe. What that means is this, 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 and this, you know, and we, we hold ourselves and we hold the company accountable, you know, to that. Mm-hmm. Having, having something explicit, which these days, you know, means part of the policy, part of written down, and then including that in the recruitment process and indeed the induction uh, process. If we, if we, would we not ex- extend this to say, look, Uh, in our recruitment process, this is the kind of workplace we have. Um, You know, these are the expectations we have of doctors, of nurses, of clerical staff, etc. What are your thoughts on how far do you go with that kind of stuff? I love a code of conduct. Um, You know, I've looked at it via code of conduct. Um, uh, You know, this is how we operate here. And it's interesting because you know, when you talk through with some people, they say, well, look, where do you start? And I say, well, it's very, very easy to start. Everybody gets together and they say, I want you to write two lists. And the first list is, what do you feel is all the acceptable behavior um, that, that should be within the working environment? What are all the good things? What are all the positive elements that we should be working with um, on a day-to-day basis? And then what are all the unacceptable? What are all the things that we shouldn't have in this environment? And you'll find quite quickly, we'll build two strong lists, we'll overlap them. And with a bit of tweaking, this becomes our our code of conduct. I'm I'm a very strong believer, as uh, you mentioned in the recruitment process, let's be clear, you know, um, let's state that we have an environment where everybody's ideas are valued where everybody's position is respected, where everybody has a right to a physical, emotional, and mental well-being and welfare in our environment. Very, very straightforward areas that will create a more positive working environment and a more positive working environment will result in a much more productive environment. As I'm sure you know very, very well, people that enjoy what they do people that feel secure and safe in that working environment, they will become more productive. And so therefore, as an organization, if we have multiple clinics doing that, we'll be all moving forward, um, you know, probably in in greater leaps and bounds. Well, it's where, that's right. And I mean, you end up with, um, you know, people, I mean, it's nicer for everybody to be in 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 an environment where it's pleasant to be you know, a statement of the bleeding obvious. And, and as you say, people enjoy their work more, therefore they do their work better. And of course, you have much better staff retention and much lower turnover. And we all know how disruptive um, resignations are, how expensive and time-consuming recruitment can be, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, that's, that's, that's really helpful, Mark. Thanks for your time today. It's, it's very good. Welcome aboard to the team. And Thank you, David. Thanks for your expertise. We'll talk again, I'm sure, in the future. Would love to. Thank you very much, David. 
Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to helpsert.com.